0: A moment of business before we get into today's show. Surf Splendor is completely free, but you can support the show, and we need your support to help grow the show organically. Do so by sharing the show with a friend. Tell them verbally, send them a link to our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com, or promote it via social media where you can find us, at Surf Splendor. Thanks in advance, and enjoy today's show. I'm your host, David Scales. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Today, bringing you a mid-pipeline Pipe Masters recap uh, with Scott Bass, of course, doing the surf news thing. Um, We're—I'm going to be bringing you a non-surf news episode real soon Um, with the holidays. A couple of there's been scheduling conflicts. A couple of episodes are half completed. And we just need to nail a couple more interviews and then we'll have a new batch of shows. So if we can get it done before Christmas, we will. But um, it might actually have to wait till 2014. So I apologize for that, but I appreciate you um, tuning in regardless. And thankfully, we have pipeline. We have wintertime in Hawaii. So today's episode, we're going to be looking at pipe and analyzing it mid event. And there's a couple of other things that we're discussing as well. And then um, Scott and I are going to get together one more time before Christmas to discuss the finish of Pipe and the new World Champ and all that kind of stuff. So I look forward to that. And then um, 2014, there's a whole bunch of stuff planned that I'm really excited about that I'll share with you next episode. So thanks again for tuning in. Um, If you're new to the show, welcome. And you can find all past episodes archived on surfsplendorpodcast.com and on iTunes, and on Stitcher. Everything's free to download. You can engage with the show on social media at Surf Splendor. So we look forward to connecting with you on there. And uh, thanks again. Hope you enjoyed today's show, and I'll be back at the end to sign us off. Thanks.
1: Down the line, David's ready and we're rolling. <laughs> Down the line, Talk Radio. It is December 12th, and um, David and I decided to get together because the big showdown at Pipeline is is really coming together. You couldn't have scripted it almost any better. Um, so we're going to chat a little bit and hopefully get this on the air to you <laughs> today so you guys can listen and listen. Um, let me welcome David into the show. David, how are you, buddy? I'm
0: great. Thank you. So, yeah, mid pipe recap, basically. It's Thursday, December 12th, I believe. And pipe is set to, it looks like with the swell forecast, they're going to finish up on Saturday, the 14th. So, hopefully, um, listeners will get a chance to listen to this before then. And, you know, all of our predictions will either be uh, proven true or incorrect by within 48 hours from now. So,. Um, we'll either look like geniuses or look like idiots. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, maybe before we
1: get into the pipeline stuff. Um, yeah. We can. Do you want to read any emails or
0: anything, or do you want to do, do that next time? Let's read emails. Let's recap some stuff. I'm. Um, I came in to our uh, meeting here really confident, and I had one cup of coffee, which I determined is the right number. Yeah. It's like enough to hype me up. Sure. Two cups. I start to lose a little bit of focus, start to ramble a little bit, um, but when I walked in the door, you offered me a fresh cup, and now I'm sipping on that, and I might things might go off the rails rather quickly. Good, we get you get the rant going, right? Dude, I've got a good rant for today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm heated. Well,
1: um, bear with me while I try to pull up my Gmail. But do you have something that you want to read?
0: Yeah, or? there was a few emails that I think we got copied on both of us again. Yeah. Um. The first one I'll read was kind of in relation to our conversation about sharks and calling sharks. And um, it was from listener Adam Neal, who said, I live in one of the sharkiest areas in California, north of the Golden Gate. I don't agree with Scott's shark calling opinion. That's why I'm reading this one, by the way. is because it's against you and sides with me. Good. Uh, I see how you are. I surf two to three times a week. I am always conscious of the fact that I am part of the food chain and that factors into my strategy as a surfer. I read all I can about shark attacks, especially in Northern California. I check in with several local shark researchers researchers who are constantly tagging and monitoring the local great white shark population. Um, I never surf alone. I make sure my buddies uh, know first aid and have a cell phone. Most shark attacks in California are not fatal if the bleeding can be controlled. Killing sharks, to me, is like having a biased priority system favoring a bunch of unskilled bullies, humans. I have a wife and twin daughters. I want to be responsible about the risks I take in my lifelong pursuit of surfing. We have good surf up here, but it comes with risks. Given the current protective environmental atmosphere along the California coast, surfing with large apex predators is a reality, that is probably going to provide more drama than a four-man heat at sunset will ever provide. I will be doing my best to avoid any encounters with big sharks while still maintaining my wave count. Now we're talking real-life strategies. Unquote.
1: Yeah, you know, a couple things. Um, You know, for the record, and although I am not backtracking or backpedaling... Sure. I think it was stated clearly by me on the last... uh, podcast that um i am in favor of looking into the possibility of culling sharks in certain areas um i'm also open to the possibility of not doing that
0: sure and so, <laughs> and so um, that wasn't backtracking at all actually that was just restating yeah um yeah well
1: i thought um, by the way we might as well Drive through this and say that the calling has started in Western Australia. I sent yeah. you the link. Yeah, yeah. The Western Australian government has started to call sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing it in areas where there's, you know, a population base that enjoys the ocean—swimmers, uh, surfers, bodyboarders, what have you. they they have you know, it's not just like a, you know, call to quint the shark killer to go, you know, just find any sharks. They're doing it, and I guess. A quasi-scientific fashion, whereby they they have you know some nets out, some some um, warning signs that hey, there's a shark in the area, and, and that triggers a signal to the to the shark hunters. Hey, you can go out and kill this shark if it's over 10 feet long. They're only you know licensed shark hunters right. through the government. So anyway, um, you know, I just bring that up because last time they hadn't even started it. Sure. Just within two days, I sort of
0: appreciate the speed with which the government worked. Well, apparently they were listening to our podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I thought it was really funny the day after we posted that podcast, Tia Blanco is a local female surfer around here, um, like upcoming amateur pro track. Yep. But she posted a Facebook post <laughs> with this internet meme. And uh, it was pretty funny. The statistics say... Obesity kills 30,000 people annually. Lightning kills 10,000 people annually. Texting kills 6,000 people annually. Hippos kill 2,900 people annually. Autoerotic asphyxiation kills 550 people annually. Dogs kill 30 people annually. Sharks kill about 17 people annually. So I thought that was funny. When you look at those stats, the sharks, they're the scariest looking and maybe the most pertinent to us as surfers, but realistically... The numbers are pretty low you know yeah i mean there's more the the reality is there's more shark attacks this year than there were last year and the numbers are increasing so the question is why are there more and how do we manage it you know and, and stem the growth of shark attacks but realistically the numbers of actual deaths are low relatively yeah so all right well look
1: i think we beat that one with a dead horse Right. Like a dead horse. What's the what's the phrase? Yeah, we beat it like a dead horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. There's a lot of horse uh, cliches out there. Never look a gift horse in the mouth. There you go. Um, so I got a comment on SurfSplendorPodcast.com from Chris uh, on the comment on the show page of our last show. He said, "I love the new collaboration with Scott Bass to revive Surf Talk, but I couldn't disagree with you more about cutting down on the ASP commentary." Um, that was a topic that we talked we got a few emails of people saying that they want to hear less about professional surfing and more about just whatever else Um, so Chris continues there is already a dearth of independent insightful and timely analysis of the current happenings of the ASP and you guys decreasing your focus would extinguish the only good avenue for this that I know please don't mistake the surf media's failures in appropriately covering the ASP they're still beholden to the surf brands to truly have their own journalistic freedoms, or the uh, the general economic malaise of the surf industry as a lack for a um, as a whole for the lack of demand in ASP talk. As you guys discussed on this podcast, the ASP represents the best in competitive surfing and the best talent in the sport overall. These things should be celebrated with a proper focus and not shunned or be embarrassed for highlighting the concept of surfing lifestyle might seem great for a color magazine or website but is awfully boring in a long format commentary podcast besides we are already getting enough images of these lifestyle surfers in primetime commercials for credit card er, credit cards erection pills hamburger chains etc
1: <laughs> so all I, right that's good commentary
0: yeah i thought it was good to, i we got a couple of emails actually saying that they want to hear more asp talk I don't know how we hash that out moving forward in 2014. Maybe we do devoted episodes that are ASP only, you know, or you know what? We're just gonna we're gonna speak from the heart, David and I, okay. on, wh-
1: on what comes to you know what excites us and what we, you know, and surfing excites us in all elements of that, you know, and it's there's gonna be pro surfing and there's gonna be lifestyle stuff and there's gonna be travel and there's gonna be talk about Fukushima and there's gonna be you know talk about stand up paddleboarders. Who knows? My point is, is that I think if you and I just let our hearts be our, sort of our, um, you know, run the show, then it is what it is, and we're, people are going to like us, or they're not going to like us, but, you know, we're not going to,
0: like, fake it. Yeah, you no, I mean? not at all. So, but I think the feedback from the public, the listeners, is really good, too. You know, it's kind of like, I agree sincerely that we should just stick to what we feel is our surfing experience, and if part of that is watching these ASP contests, of course we're going to talk about it. But, you know, keep the feedback coming.
1: Absolutely. Love the feedback. And Do um, uh,
0: you got emails?
1: You know what? I, I do, but um, I'm going to save them for next time. Okay. And we'll just get into them. I'm, I want to kind of trim mine down and edit them and just find the really pertinent parts and stuff, and I haven't done that. Okay. So I don't want to, like, scour through them right now. It would be a waste of this time, I think.
0: Yeah, speaking of next time, I was just thinking, should I would love to get together to discuss pipe after it finishes, we don't have a lot of time before Christmas. But do you want to try to do that maybe yeah. next week or something? Yeah. Okay. Maybe like a post-pipe recap. Yeah. I have things too. I don't think it's appropriate right now, but for 2014 of, I don't know, thoughts on our podcast collaboration, thoughts on Surf Splendor. You know, now that it's um, grown a bit, kind of how I'd like to direct things moving forward. So sure. talk about that next show as well. Well, tell me
1: about um, when last. This week we're yeah this Monday, I guess I, I interviewed Chaz Smith, who authored "Welcome to Paradise Now Go to Hell." Um, obviously, the quality of the audio is a little off. How bad was the static written cell phone interview from a, from an audio standpoint how if, what did you think
0: if you're going zero to ten scale, ten being great, zero being not good, it was at a solid three <laughs> So was it unlistenable, or...? I didn't make it through the whole thing. Oh, that's too bad. It's... I need to figure that
1: out. How can I do a cell phone interview and get quality audio, sweeten the audio somehow?
0: Um, well, they make devices, of course, that you can purchase. I would say... I was thinking about that as I was listening. You had it on speakerphone, obviously. Yeah, I had it
1: on speakerphone, and I was just right here holding the speaker to the to my you'd, mic. You'd be better
0: off... um. Like, plugging the phone... Do you ever plug your phone into your car through the auxiliary? Or do you have Bluetooth or something? Yeah. I would go in the car, turn the speakers up so you have surround sound, bring your laptop in there to record, and have the conversation in your car. All right. That would be better. That
1: sounds interesting. If,
0: if you wanted to not purchase the, the audio equipment. But I've been thinking about that, too. It's kind of like we've gotten comments about the audio quality of the show. And that's a valid complaint or a valid concern and i think that really what it comes down to is um these shows don't generate any income for us they're not really a business it's just a hobby and you and i scott have talked about bringing on potential sponsors and um if that were to happen maybe then we could invest in some audio equipment but until then it's tough there there are hard costs that are already involved with the show that are coming directly out of our pockets yeah and so it's hard to invest you know additional money um for things like that i would like to do it and i think it is a necessity moving forward but when we do that and and how we um you know finance it i think need to be factored in so anybody listening out there wants to donate some microphones or something we're open to that or you know maybe there's um corporate sponsors as well that we consider at some point if that doesn't jeopardize the content of the show you know
1: yeah well cool so um So you didn't hear too much of the interview, but did you read
0: the book? Yeah, I finished the book, um, and I liked it a lot. I think, again, the trash prose, as I mentioned last time, isn't really my my favorite. His style of writing isn't my favorite style of writing, but I really, really loved the storytelling of it. Such dramatic and interesting stories that took place, and I loved every moment of it. Yeah. How was your conversation with Chaz?
1: It was good. It was... um... You know, it was uh, it was a, just a solid conversation with a solid human being. I enjoyed it, you know. Um, I'm
0: curious, because I didn't get all the way through it, did you uh, talk about what the backlash is going to be for him writing the book? Yeah, I did. And
1: um, he basically said, you know what, And it's been his experience that the stuff that he thinks is going to create the most backlash doesn't create hardly any backlash and the stuff that he thinks is no big deal creates a ton of backlash so he's not sure what kind of backlash if any he's going to get from the book
0: okay um well for listeners the book is written about the north shore and it really discusses the the antagonists in the book if you will are eddie rothman um some hawaiian kind of enforcers like dustin Barca, um kyborg you know kai garcia so The obvious question is, once you kind of out those people's stories, is there going to be backlash? So, did he say whether or not he got approval from any of those guys?
1: Well, no, he didn't. But my gut feeling is that when he, you know, those guys are savvy enough to know that when any surf journalist or media type is around, that it could all kind of find its way somehow or another to, you know, the media outlets. Um, So, I think when, you know, Chaz Smith or any of those guys are around, like, again, they, um, they realize that you know, it's on the record. Yeah. More or less, especially when he's like, Hey, can I come by and have a talk? You know? And, um, and I don't, and I think those, like I say, I think those guys all wanted that stuff out there, you know? Um, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But, um, I'll tell you that I talked with Chaz mostly about, um, well, what interests me the most about the book and what I wanted to talk to Chaz most about was Kai Garcia. Because I found him to be um, a fascinating character in the yeah. book, you know that
0: he was a redeeming character. Yeah, for,
1: me. for sure. Like yeah. he he made me feel good about the book and about North Shore and about these people. Um, because you know he, he just really seemed to be sort of self aware. He seemed to um, he seemed to be um, almost spiritual. You know, yeah. like he 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 seemed like a good human being, and he was he was willing to look within himself and do some self introspection and do and do sort of the necessary work to be a better human rather than just being Ugh, thug. Let's go, you know, like that type.
0: Well, he was that thug a couple years ago, and I have a feeling that Chaz would have had a very different um, conversation with Kai a year prior to to when he uh, had that conversation. I remember. I don't know if you saw it, but. Um, uh, Alex Gray, the surfer, has a video, a blog that he does called Turkey Melt. Yeah. And he produced a video about a year ago with Kai Garcia, with Kai talking about his drug abuse issues and um, his recovery. Basically, he's in recovery. Yeah. Did you see that? No, I didn't. But I could tell; um,
1: it was quite obvious to me that he'd been through um, a, the recovery process or yeah. program or a twelve-step program just from some of the buzzwords that were in the book
0: yeah i definitely got that too but the video with alex it was like on a tennis court i think a lot of it was about working out and exercising and things like that but he certainly did talk about having drug issues in the past and being clean now and so yeah i agree with you that the the role that he played in the book was very redeeming and um it made me remember too like there's these there's this dichotomy that i think of with the north shore on one end of it is Buttons, Kaluyo Kalani, and Shane Dorian, which is all Aloha. And yeah, they're chargers and they rip, and Buttons is ripped or was ripped. You know, he looked like like a mixed martial arts fighter, but was genuinely stoked and happy and wasn't a bully. And then that the other end of that dichotomy is Eddie Rothman, which is just this dark character who honestly I've never seen surf, you know, but he's just he represents a bully who hides in the shadows and you're, you're never sure if you're going to get cracked or not just for walking down the beach. And that's very, and, and so Kai, I think has been on both sides of that dichotomy and it's nice to see, um, him on this kind of lighter side, especially considering dude, he's a giant and he can be the bully for the rest of his life if he wants. And he'll probably won't be challenged in that position. Um, He's been, you know, fighting jujitsu for 18 years. He's just, he's an intimidating dude. And so it's nice to have a gentle giant, you know, that, um, I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree that. And that was a a neat part of the story, as we mentioned. And, um, you know, just, just a great book. Welcome to paradise. Now go to hell is the name of the book. And I know David and I both would uh, recommend, um, the book. I found it I found it to be just a great read and a lot of fun. And um, I, and there's a lot more to it than, than what we've you know just spoken about. And we'll leave it up to you guys to go get the
0: book and read it. I got two questions for you. Yeah. Um, the kind of epilogue, the last chapter of the book about him going pig hunting, that read really odd to me. You know, there was never any resolution with that. Like, I don't know what that endeavor was was it a legitimate endeavor was it a setup in some way did you get any read on that or insight i think it was sort of like to just basically say look
1: it was almost like to reaffirm that that hawaii is is sort of um uh you know a scary place yeah. you know and and as soon as you think you have it figured out or the political drama figured out you don't have it figured out you okay. know what i mean like it can come back and snap on you and i think you know more than anything that's kind of what i got out of that that you know, this is after he sort of had had um, time with Eddie and time with Kai Garcia, and he had time. And he, you know, more or less, he was invited into the inner circle, and yet he was invited to go pig hunting with some he- other heavy local. And all of a sudden, even though he was—I don't want to say friends—but w- within the circle of Eddie and Kai Garcia, he still had this um, uneasy feeling, and that sort of like epitomizes what it's like to land in Honolulu and drive over the hill and go down into uh Haleiwa once you go down that hill you're sort of going into this no man's land and I just feel like that part of the book was just kind of reaffirming that
0: yeah okay um final thoughts on on the book what is just your personal take and opinion on the culture of the north shore
1: um i think it's, I have mixed feelings about it, you know, because I do agree, you know, Chaz Smith, his take on it is like, look, it's this beautiful place with beautiful waves and it's unreal and blah, blah, blah. But it's also this really kind of evil, scary place because it's basically lawless and um, anything can and will happen on the North Shore. And so my feeling is, you know what, that's kind of, when I look from the 30,000 foot level down on it, I'm kind of like, cool, that's kind of neat that that exists. You know, that there is that place, that, that a, a corporation, of a house filled with corporate vice presidents can get slapped around, um, again, from the 30,000-foot level. It's interesting to me that, that that exists, that they just can't call the cops like they could anywhere else in the North American continent. Or right. Um, and that he... doesn't mean I condone what happened, because I don't condone what happened. I don't think it's okay to be violent. I don't think it's okay to be phys- I I'm a very peaceful person, and and so from not the thirty thousand, from the ground level view of it, I'm not a big fan of. Um, it's it's not a, a happy, easy place for for the general public, for, or for me, or for most surfers to go. We constantly are looking over our shoulder. Um, it's not this paradis parad, paradise. What's the word I'm on use? Paradise is good enough for me. Paradise. I wanted to say paradisical or paradiacal. Or... Anyway, it's not necessarily paradise, but... Um, you know, so it's it's like... You know, I have that same love-hate relationship that Chaz sort of has about it. Like, you know, i got to get away from it, but I can't get enough of it, you know? I personally have ridden, you know, some of my most memorable surf sessions ever at Sunset Beach, and I, I really would love to go back and do that again. Yeah. Um, but I, I also really... The North Shore of Oahu is, like, way down at the bottom of my list of places to go. If I was, you know, offered anywhere to go in the world for free, it wouldn't be the North Shore of Oahu. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I have sort of that same kind of yin and yang thing about about the country, you know. It's, a, it, it's just a really interesting place.
0: Yeah, I feel similarly in that um, it's easy to start reading the book and get angry at the gang culture of the North Shore. And if I try to explain it to my wife or somebody who doesn't know who these characters are, they very quickly judge it, you know, and shame it. But I feel kind of like you where I there's an order to the chaos. And if for those um, who live in Southern California understand Los Angeles and if you drive into Watts or Compton or whatever, that's gangland and you're liable to get shot or stabbed for no reason at all. The North Shore isn't that way. You know, It's not. you're not going to randomly get stabbed. <laughs> you're not going to get stabbed at all. If you do something wrong, you will get beat up, but you're not going to get stabbed, and you're not going to get shot, you're not going to get killed. So there's more order to it than there is in Watts or Compton or other places in the world, big cities. Um, and, and as long as you know that hierarchy and understand the organized chaos of it, you can stay out of trouble. You know, it's not random violence.
1: And, and even Eddie Rothman himself, I sort of appreciate, although I don't condone it, and again, I'm struggling with this, yeah. even here as I talk with you about it, because I don't, I'm not, I'm against violence, and I'm against bullying. I think it's horrible, and I'm against thuggery. But there is also... um a sense of appreciation for a sort of patriarchal um hierarchy yeah you know that needs to happen and Chaz and i discussed it i go what would the north shore be like if there was no eddie rothman and he right. goes well it'd probably be like laguna beach exactly or it would be like um colorado's and nicaragua where it's just like laguna beach takes over sure. you know and it's a bunch of big houses with a bunch of frothing you know surfers from san diego and orange county and there's no sense of um you know I guess hierarchy is the right word. And so I, and, and every surf spot is like that too. Not everyone, but the main surf spots all have that one kind of like thug guy. And although a lot of people go, Oh, I hate that guy. Blah, blah, blah. That guy actually has a pretty good, uh, you know, he, he's, his purpose is solid Yeah. in that, you know, newcomers show up and they can sense that that guy's the asshole. And so they stay away from him or they follow his leader. They see what he's doing and make sure they don't cross that line. And, Eddie Rothman is sort of that guy. It's almost... It's sort of needed. You know, I... I again, I'm not a big fan of being a bully or, or being... I, you know, I believe in love. I think love will conquer everything. But um, it's...
0: You know, you could argue that the thuggery works. I think it does. And I think it serves a purpose. But I don't think there's one way... There's not just one way to achieve that that hierarchy. And I would like to see Kai Garcia... Um, take Eddie's role in that more kind of non-violent way. There's always a threat of violence with Kai, but he's not going to enact it by going to the Billabong house and beating up Graham Stapleberg. I don't know, and I don't want to know, what
1: Eddie Rothman's past is. I'm just kind of speaking to his... Um, in some ways, the book and Chad Smith made him out to be this um, anti-hero. You know, this guy that protects the Hawaiian legacy, that protects the Hawaiian surfers that um, make sure that there isn't, um, an, you know, any sort of inequity when when they're involved. Um, and I think that that's, you know, on some level, that's probably a good thing. Now, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, there's got to be a better way, like the way maybe Kai would do it. And I think about Eddie Aikau, you know, like the other Eddie, you know, how would Eddie cow Handle the situation, you know. Yeah, would yeah. Would, he, would there be thuggery, or would there be like this council of Hawaiians kind of sitting everyone down, like they did with Rabbit and right. and and uh, Sean Thompson and Ian Carnes and those guys, and basically saying, "Hey, look, you know what? You guys came over here and you're screwing with us, and we don't dig it, and there's going to be trouble," and and the, and and just basically kind of setting them right by a sort of council of peers rather than just out and out cracks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That would be a a more favorable way to do it. I think that um, as things have grown, population has grown and all that, You know, some of that, I don't know, that council of your peers thing goes away and it's, I don't know, it's devolved into the situation that it is now. And I agree, like Eddie, the book didn't necessarily say that about Eddie, but the implication of the investigation and stuff like that does make it more murky, you know, makes it less clean and cut and dry, I think. So, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting sociological study, you know, because um, it's very kind of tribal, you know? Yeah, yeah. Tribal, but in the, in the developed United States. So, really good read, though. Definitely check out the book. I just got a tweet from, I think it's SUP Adventures, right before we started the show, asking about what our favorite surf-related books are. And I don't know. I would say that's on the top of my list right now. So,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure, get that book if you want to, you know, a surf read. Um, my other, the other one that I really liked was David Renson's book on um, uh, Mickey Dora, called something like "All for a Few Good Waves: The Life and Times of Surf Rebel Mickey Dora," something like that.
0: I didn't read that. That's
1: a great book. Um, really well researched. Uh, I enjoyed that book a lot. Um, so I, I, would I'd advise on that one. And then, um, I don't know, other surf reads. I, there aren't too many good surf reads out there. Although there is one that I read, um, and what was it called, man? I'd have to look, um, well, I've got dead air while my brain starts to figure it out. But, um, something about the winter and, uh, anyway. Post it's, it
0: on your site after Yeah, you think I'll
1: it. post it up. I'll post up some great reads, um, the book that I just um, am starting now, I guess I should say, is um, one on Israeli's intelligence service, the Mossad,
0: which is um, fascinating. Not surf related. No,
1: not surf related.
0: Um, so, what do you got? Uh, surfer Poll Awards? Yeah. Okay. Did you
1: Did you watch it? I watched part of it. You know, it's not very entertaining. Oh, it's not God. very informative. It's it's sort of um, it's sort of it seems to. I hate to... It, look, let me just say this. It's so easy to poo-poo the surfer ball it board. Is. So I don't want to be that guy that poo-poos it. I want to look for the good in it, you know, and, and there's good and there's bad and there's ugly, especially in this one. Um, you know, the good is um, probably Dane Reynolds's speech, and mm-hmm. and it was good because it was... Parts of it seemed extremely honest and extremely sincere, and... And there was that awkward, weird laugh that I don't know if is that his real laugh or was that like a staged laugh. And so it was good only in that it was um, it was I wasn't sure what was going to come next. I don't mean to say that the words that came out were all that good, but it just it sort of showed this character that a side of him that I don't know and and I, maybe the surf people, surf world doesn't know either. Um, you know, the bad is uh, was Bruce Irons <laughs> that. <laughs> you know but again it's like here's the thing is that it's hard to be a public speaker being a really good public speaker is an art oh yeah and um you ask anybody surfers or non-surfers to um to get up and speak in public and you know nine out of ten of them are gonna do a bad job just the way bruce irons did i mean i i would probably flounder up there you know they say
0: they say it's like the number three fear in human beings there's like Fear of do- fear of falling, fear of loud noises, and the third one is fear of public speaking, you
1: know? Yeah, even the SPs are unwatchable, you know? Like, it's just, yeah. it's just, like, why are we doing it? I, that's the thing that I come away from it going, why? Like, what? And plus, in this day and age, we can just go back and hear about what was good, what was bad, and what was ugly, and fast forward through it and see it. So it's not something that, plus I used to work at Surfer, so I've been in the production aspect of, of seven or eight or nine of those shows, so... I'm sort of over it, but only because I was so close to it. I'm not over it because it's necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. I think the surf magazines and, and like, my son, like, if you're 17 years old, it's a cool thing yeah. to check out. You know, like, your, friend, your surf stars are on stage, and you get to see them in a different light, and that's neat, and I get it. And, and more power to Surfer Magazine and all the magazines that do these awards things. I'm okay with it. I'm not going to be the guy that sits up here and, and it's such an easy, like I say... Um, It's such an easy scapegoat. You know, it is what it is. I'm not, like, overly excited about
0: it, and and it's no one's fault. It's just, I'd rather play my guitar. (laughs) I think they, I'm glad that it exists as well, and I'm glad that it's voted for by surf fans. You know, I think that's a really cool thing. But in today's day and age, you can't not broadcast it to the public. You have to broadcast it to the public. But the production itself is such a different animal than anything that the surf industry does hosting an award show with um you know all of the little transitions that need to take place and the prompter and whatever you know it's it's such a different animal and you'd have to hire somebody from hollywood who puts on the oscars or something to really show us the ropes and so there's so many glitches in that respect that make it unwatchable um it was a boar fest first of all i stayed up late to watch it and was just like struggling to, to make it through freddie p i thought was excruciatingly hard to watch as a host um i like freddie p's personality and i like him as a surfer but the ability to host something like that is such a unique skill set and i think sal doesn't really have it either but freddie p just um it's cringeworthy, you know?
1: Yeah, and that speaks to what you're talking about just a second ago. You know, you need to hire professionals to do this thing. Otherwise, it just kind of makes us look like Spicolis, for lack of a better characterization. Yeah. It just makes us look unprofessional, which I know is your big thing. You know, your, your rant about unprofessionalism a couple weeks ago or whatever. Sure. Um, and, and so... Yeah. You know, you kind of look at it. And you, I mean, if you're at Surfer Magazine and you're the head there, you got to go, does this make, does this ruin our brand? Does this do more harm than good to our brand? And, and again, I don't know. You know, that's a question that they need to ask themselves. Cause, cause I, I think that, you know, like I said, my 15 year old son's probably okay with it, although he didn't watch it. But I mean, I think that demographic is kind of like, okay, whatever. Um, it's just a tough gig. It's like you say you need to you need to bring in the big hitters to do it. Um, yeah, I'll tell you one of the ugly things that I I found out about is that um, there's a rumor. Well, it was on the Inertia. Zach Weisberg's the Inertia. Yeah. They, did you read their thing on the Surfer Pole Awards? No. Well, they said that um, Eddie Rothman spit in Sam George's face um, prior to Sam going on stage to accept his award for being the writer and. Director or whatever of the Eddie I Cow movie, and so um, that's heavy. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of heavy. Like that's some pretty heavy bullying, you know. What's like, the
0: backstory? Why
1: did he? Spoil? Well, I don't know the backstory. I I, I believe that, um, and again, this is all sort of hearsay through like three generations of Coconut Wireless rumor. But yeah. it's my understanding that Eddie Rothman wasn't pleased with the way Sam portrayed um, what happened to to Rabbit Bartholomew. In the movie, where you know, like the the Hawaiians kind of confront Rabbit and at Sunset Beach, and apparently that wasn't you know the way it happened according to um, to Eddie. But again, I don't you know I'm I'm far removed from it. You know, I do know that the inertia reported that Eddie spit in Sam George's face. Crazy. Yeah.
0: Wow. I've been reading, which is horrible. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, that's
1: that's just like disgusting.
0: No. Really. Um, I've been reading their recap of the pipe events the pipe event each day they're doing a recap on the inertia which is very very different than any other media's recap have you been following that i
1: saw some images and i was kind of put off by it it.
0: it's really awful yeah it's um i mean it's bad yeah and then what was interesting was i saw a little twitter war between the guy who's writing it for the inertia and brendan thomas at surfer magazine talking crap about one another it was like the guy, I think his name's Ted Endo from The Inertia, said something negative about the Surfer Poll Awards. So then Brendan chimed in and was like, hey, at least it's better than the crappy coverage you guys are... Or the, he said the word lazy, the lazy coverage you guys are doing. And then it was just, you know, back and forth from there. But the fact that Brendan even engaged in it was surprising to me.
1: Yeah, that's unfortunate. I, I'll i tell you what, though. The, the surf world in general, I mean, basically you get... Um, you get you know twenty something fresh out of high school or college, thrown into this world and told to report on what they see, and it's really um, easy to just pick up you know the the um, you know the fruit on the ground you know the, the the quick grab you know which is like which basically what I'm saying it's easy to poo-poo stuff. Yeah. It's, it's what's hard to do is to bring some enlightenment and some perspective on it, and that usually takes an older voice. And all the older voices are gone because they're not getting paid.
0: Or they're getting spit in the face. You <laughs> well, the yeah. Super Bowl awards. <laughs> yeah, you're on to
1: bigger things. You're not going to be like reporting on the day to day activities behind the scenes at the Pipe Masters. Yeah. I mean, what really is there to report about behind the scenes at the Pipe Masters? That, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's like I, I'm, I'm here to watch what's
0: happening in the water. You know? True. Although that unless being, we get Chaz Smith involved. <laughs> well, that being said, I've got a lot to report about on the on the Pipe Masters. Oh, uh, yeah. one, one thing before we move on that is worth mentioning about the Surfer Poll is the women's uh, top five: Alana Blanchard won, Carissa Moore, who's the world champ, is number three on the Surfer Poll, and Steph Gilmore was number five, and she's a five-time world champ. I just thought that's weird the way that the public voted on that one. That doesn't
1: surprise me at all because that's you know it's a public it's a um, popularity popularity thank you it's a popularity contest and Alana Blanchard's you know far and away the most popular female surfer or female that is a surfer you know I mean she's popular because she's gorgeous and she has a beautiful bottom that she likes to show everybody and that her sponsors market her ass basically I've said many times she's. She's like Anna Kornikova of tennis, you know. She never won a Grand Slam event, but she was the most popular tennis player in the world.
0: Yeah, and I think that's obvious, and that is what happened. But to me, what's more interesting is that people actually voted. Her fans voted. Because in previous years, there's always been gorgeous people. And in previous years, she was probably had more Instagram followers than anybody else, as she does now. But the the surfer poll never... Um, connected with all those fans and got them to vote. You know where I would think the core surf fans would have voted and probably did vote for Carissa or Steph, and I think that a lot See, of those I, votes came from. I think the elsewhere.
1: demographic of the people who vote for that thing are like 18 to 25. Now there's going to be some maybe like yourself who voted that are true hardcore surf fans. You know yeah. they voted, but for the you know for the most part it's you know if if you know, if you're a 22 year old male and you're like, oh, I don't know which one's the hottest. I don't like any of them. I'm just going to vote for Lana because she's hot. You know, like I can just see that going down and maybe cause that's the way I would have thought about well, it. But well, I, you know, and also you should know this, it, those um, teams like the rip curl team or, or whatever team it is, they do a massive push to get people to vote for their surfer because it's sure. a big deal. So there's a lot of, um, there's, Look, I've been in the surf poll meeting when they go, okay, we've got the awards, you know, and we're back in the back office, and they're going, we know who won. Let's, you know, and believe me, there's some, you know, it's not as clear cut as you think, and there's some political stuff that happens as far as, you know, should we move him above him? We can't have him above him. That's not right, you know. They they move it around a little bit. It's not quite as clear, clean, and clear as you might think a pure democratic vote is.
0: That's not surprising, but. It
1: It doesn't happen all the time, and I'm not saying that it's, you know, that it's overrun with some sort of corruption or anything, but there's definitely times, especially at the top, the top one and two and three, where they're like, you know what, that ain't right. I don't know who voted for this thing, but they don't know what they're doing, so let's move Hmm. it around a little bit.
0: Well, let this be maybe a cornerstone, you know, where I'm saying that maybe this is a sign that the marketing efforts – have been able to mobilize non-surfers to get involved more actively in the surf world. You know, I'm wondering if that might be what's happening with that Alana vote. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references. And now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply
1: yeah it could be and and yeah, i i i tend maybe you know i'm just so far out of the demographic being that i'm like a middle-aged male that you know maybe i don't see it clearly but um i'm sort of assuming that these award shows in general are sort of losing some of their luster like yeah they're just Before there was all the social media and all of this Facebook and all this information coming at us, I think it was more important to have like a one, you know, an annual thing where we're going to announce the Reader's Poll Awards, you know. But like any Joe Blow with a good blog following can do their own Reader's Poll. And, you know, And I don't know. Do you think I'm... Am I correct in my assumption that they've lost some
0: of their their power? I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think... um, like the there's gonna be they're gonna get a lot of media hype out of just dane's speech and dustin's speech and stuff that are now on youtube that are going to spread virally you know so i don't know i think it perpetuates there's a lot of pre-marketing that they can do with it there's a lot of post-marketing they can do with it so i think they'll get out of it what they hope to i think i don't know
1: I, I, do, I speak more from the general public standpoint. I just oh, don't think yeah, the yeah. public really cares as much as they used to.
0: Yeah, I don't
1: know. I bet you'd be surprised how many people even vote for that thing. Yeah. Did you vote? No. Hmm. They didn't have me on the list, so how could I vote? What do you mean? Number one surfer? Oh. In the world.
0: Yeah, you can you can submit your own name. Dude, I voted for like Chris Ward, Rob Machado, like all these old guys, See, Tom
1: Curran. Believe me, those votes get thrown out. They're like, whatever, this guy. You know, where's John John? Ford? I mean, you you know, I mean, quite frankly, you and I could list the top ten and be pretty damn close without, yeah, even, you know, seeing the vote.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dane got shuffled down a few spots to number five, which, again, I think we've said it before once or twice, but I think he needs a new chapter in his career. So whether he tries to requalify or whatever he does in 2014, it's like... You know,
1: I saw a rumor that he's been given a wild card throughout the CT next year. That's got to be wrong. That can't, there's.
0: I didn't know that. I, it was just some um, message board rumor that somebody was throwing out there. I... I broke the story a couple podcasts ago that he's going to try to requalify, so that could be part of that effort.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how it works, especially with the new ASP. But um, you know, in the past, if you're if your brand that your spawn, you know, your sponsee, you know, Quicksilver in this case or Vans too, they get a wild card that they're allowed to put a surfer in. So
0: well, let that be a segue into discussing pipe and the amount of wild cards, local Hawaiian wild cards that are introduced into that event or allowed into that event. Um, I think there's 12, which in other events, there's two, I think. So um, how do you feel about that?
1: Well, look, that's been going on for a long time. And, um, you know, I don't have a problem with it. The results would suggest that it doesn't make sense. Because what you really have is a bunch of pipe specialists, and they're just that. They're really good pipeline surfers, but they're not necessarily competitive competitive you know they don't have the savvy that the ct guys have right from a competitive strategy standpoint and so they just think oh cool i get to surf pipe with nobody out and if i advance i advance i'll probably catch a couple good ones because i'm a local here and i know the spot and as it plays out almost every single year by one or two rounds you're down to one guy yeah um, and everyone will point to Jamie O'Brien and John John Florence and go, yeah, but those guys, well, John John didn't, but Jamie's won the event as a, as a, uh, a wild card seat. And I think Mikey Bruno about six years ago went pretty far. And occasionally, like a Mayan Goodwin, like there's always one guy that sort of holds the mantle for the Hawaiians and moves through to whatever round it is. But it's usually not very far along. I mean, Jamie's really the only one where you're like, hey, they said they were pipeline specialists and he proved it. He beat them all. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, you know, I get it why they do it. Am I a fan of it? Yeah, you know what? Let them have their time. Um, it, it's a, it kind of goes along with what we were talking about earlier. It's going to happen no matter what. No amount of of saying it's lame or disagreeing with it, um, it is going to change it. I think the big thing is you get you get that. That call for hey well if they're doing it at Pipe why not do it at Tahiti and why not do it at Huntington Beach why right. not do it at Trestles and why not do it in front you know we're all locals here and we're I'm a tra- I'm a lower specialist
0: yeah yeah and um, and that just speaks to
1: that political drama
0: of Hawaii you well, know okay so I'm going to take the opposite approach I do think it's lame and I do think it should be changed I don't think that they should allow that many surfer that many wildcards if there was a um, a legitimate reason for it like it's hard. You just said. You presented an alternative argument, which is there's a lot of lower specialists. Why aren't they allowed? Well, the answer to that argument is, oh, because of the North Shore hierarchy and the bullying that exists there, you know? That's not a good reason. If you present a good reason and can argue it, I'm open to listening. But the the answer of they bully their way into it is not satisfactory for me. And I think that the 32 surfers on the or 34 surfers on the WCT – have earned their way in through a meritocracy, you know, and and they're entitled to surf that event, just as they're entitled to surf the lowers event. The locals who live there, they have the Volcom Pipe Pro. They have the Backdoor Shootout. They're fully will, uh, able to do any number of event, events throughout the year that they want to do. If they can organize and mobilize, pay the fees, and do it. Do that and don't invite Kelly. I don't care. You know what I mean? But this is something that exists. If you guys want to qualify for it through the means that all of Brazil has had to qualify and everywhere else, then you're entitled to do that too. And it's just that cut and dry. It should never even get to the point in conversation where, yeah, but they're going to perform really well and entertain us. That doesn't matter to me. You know, this is a separate event. But see,
1: here's the thing. I agree with you. I'm just going to play devil's advocate though. Um, the the top 32 do get to surf in it. They just, they're just they just put into a different round. So we're not taking away from the 32. We're adding the local pipe but
0: specialists. That's partially true. You're taking away a round from them. So the top 12 surfers in the CT get seeded into round three. The bottoms get seeded into rounds one and two. They're the ones that get screwed a little bit. Yeah, because round two...
1: You're facing a dangerous wild card who's got nothing to lose, no points on the line, and he's going to go for broke, and he could just...
0: But but not only that your your first round that you're surfing in is a not is a elimination round, whereas traditional um, right. other events throughout the world round one is non-elimination. If you lose that, you go into round two, which is elimination. In this, they're seated directly into round two. If they lose, they lose. So they get right. to surf one heated pipe. Right. right. And arguably, those guys don't surf pipe throughout the year. They don't. Guys yeah. who are on the bubble, like Brett Simpson, Trav Logie, all those, B Durbich, all those guys. It's like they get to surf for 30 minutes a year at Pipeline, and that decides their fate. I would also argue they—if you leave it to that point in the year to determine whether you qualify or not—then good riddance. You know, maybe you shouldn't be on the tour. But again, it sucks that they don't get to practice out there because the locals rule the lineup, and then their one heat is elimination heat. You know, so yeah, I- it's it's you know the.
1: I've already, I've talked about this um, a lot, and it's a hot topic. And really what it comes down to is it's not going to change because the bullying is in full effect and will not stop because there is no law on the North Shore. And um, the only way you can make it change is to completely pull the ASP tour from the North Shore of Alaw, of Oahu. Yeah. And um, that would never happen in the past. With the new ASP... Who knows? Because what's going to happen is there's at some point there's going to be um, a showdown between the thuggery on the North Shore and ASP, Paul Speaker and those people. And because they're new and they're professional and they come from Disney and they come from, um, you know, a, a very corporate, traditional um, you know, business atmosphere and background. I'm not sure they're used to dealing with what they're going to have to deal with on the North Shore. So they're either going to go roll over and go, okay, we'll just do it like this since it's been like this forever and we're just, why upset the apple cart? Or somebody's going to go, hey, something's going to happen where somebody gets pissed off on one side or the other and there's some friction and the ASP is going to finally have to realize, you know what, we're either going to roll over or we're pulling out. And if they pulled out, you you would
0: be surprised how quickly those the North Shore scene would be begging for them to come back. That's absolutely true. The thing I don't agree with that you said is that it'll never change. I think it will change. I think the scenario you just painted is going to happen in that it's going to come to a boiling point. I think they're inching forward. Every step that the ASP makes forward towards corporate legitimacy, the you know North Shore enforcers, let's say, take a step forward towards violence. And it's going to, something's going to blow up. And really what may happen is that there's another violent outburst like the Eddie and uh, Graham Stapleberg thing. But this time it's with somebody more corporate than Graham. And this time lawyers get involved. And this time there's a lawsuit and they threaten to take Eddie's house on the North Shore or any of his property. I know he owns a lot of property there. So there's going to be hell to pay. And at that point, it's just going to, I think things are going to fall apart and deteriorate, you know? Yeah. It, it can't not happen.
1: Yeah, it's going to be um, – it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Like I said, they either roll over and just do it as is or they're – as you say, there's going to
0: be – it's it's just – it's all coming to a – it's going to come to a head at some point. It, dude, the heat's been turning up each year, you know? And with more money involved, there's going to be more pressure. Yeah. So, we'll see – I just think that it's a shame that all those wild cards lost in round one. I mean, round one, where all the Hawaiian wild cards were surfing, they got eliminated, almost every single one of them, except, I think, Kaimana Hakeas, who surfed brilliantly. So that was interesting. I, I thought it was also interesting that Ricardo Dos Santos was surfing in the event, which we I misreported a couple months ago that he would not be allowed in the event because of his fight with Jamie O'Brien. Which, again, was the reason why Jamie O'Brien wasn't surfing in the event.
1: Yeah, I thought that was wrong. I saw that, and that raised my eyebrows as well. And I don't know, you know, how the fines and the penalties went down. But my gut feeling is, um, look, if there's an altercation between two guys, they should both sort of, you know, have the same penalty. You know, and if you're not going to allow Jamie O'Brien to surf in it, please don't allow the other guy. They're both worthy. Um, but it just seems like Jamie got the short end of the stick.
0: Well, Jamie instigated the fight, which may I been think one that, of the factors. I don't know, know if that's true.
1: I, I, I've read some different things about that. I'm not convinced that that's the case. but
0: It may not be. I wasn't there. But another factor to consider is that Bruno's, um, or I'm sorry, Ricardo oh, yeah, yeah. Ricardo Dos Santos's sponsor is Billabong, who is the presenting sponsor of the event. Now so,
1: you're on to something. I think that probably speaks to why there was some... Yeah.
0: And and I never saw a press release of why he was allowed to surf in the event. You no, know? it's so, just
1: one of those many things where you just kind of scratch your head and go, oh, "I guess that's just the way it is," you know.
0: Yeah. So Bruce Irons made it through round one as well, um, and ended up losing to Gabe Medina in round two. Which reminds me, you mentioned Bruce at the Surfer Pole Awards. What are your thoughts on Bruce? The state of Bruce at the moment?
1: Uh, you know, I I I've, I really haven't a clue, um, and 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 I'd rather not. Um, speculate? Yeah, I don't want to speculate. You know, he—it's—it's it's really, you know, Bruce in the public eye allows for us to be able to speak about him, but I don't feel like I'm—I'm I'm worthy to, to talk about what where he's at. You know, I can tell you that he surfed great in round one. Um, Gabe Medina surfed great in round two. You know, one of the greatest heats of the event, perhaps so far, um, for those smaller waves. Um, you know, the aerial, the yeah, tube ride. Yeah. I mean, it was so. Um, I prefer not to to sort of go into Bruce's personal life. It's just again, to me that's like low-lying fruit for us and it's just it's I think it's I think everybody sort of sees you know where he was, what happened to his family, where it's at now and and I only hope the best for that situation. Okay, let me and I I don't mean to be sort of pussyfooting around it. No, no, no. I get I, I
0: just hate to just be the guy that goes, "Oh, you know, you know, you look like an... You know, I, I'm not and I'm not I'm not trying to do that to him, but I have um, legitimate concerns about Bruce that I think are worth discussing and sure. I think I, I would argue that he didn't surf good in round one. I would argue that I haven't seen Bruce surf good in years, and I loved Bruce. And I went back and watched the Bruce movie recently, the Volcom. Production. Well, he surfed good enough to get through his heat. No, he didn't. He got a five and a something in the last two but minutes. He, but he got through. He got through with a nine-point total. What was well? That just
1: maybe speaks to he beat whoever had.
0: Yeah, and I. Who for- did he have in his heat? I forget who it was. It was another wild card, though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, dang it. I just looked it up and I forgot I didn't write it down. but um, but he barely squeaked through and he wasn't surfing like the Bruce that we know. and he was riding a board that looked horrible with a GoPro on the nose, you know and so but but my point is that, you know, there's all this um, scandal with the Toronto mayor right now in the news, you know, and it to me, I'm looking at that going, dude, that guy needs help. and we're all pointing and laughing at him, but realistically, he could be the Toronto mayor could be dead in three weeks. Cause he's that severely addicted and abusing and all that stuff. And um, why is everybody just laughing at him rather than helping him? And with Bruce, the, the problem with Andy was that nobody was willing to discuss what was going on and everybody turned a blind eye. Nobody was making fun of him, but again, nobody was helping either. And I'm worried about Bruce in that I don't think he's in as bad of a place maybe as Andy was, but It's the same sort of thing where everybody's just not going to talk about it. But, wow, he's underperforming. He's kind of making a scene when he's out in public. And I would hope that the powers that be or the people around him step up and provide some sort of support or help, you know? I would agree Or hold up a mirror, at the very least.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where, um, you know, anybody that's going through... Uh, a situation with uh, their personal life where it seems to be spiraling, and I'm not suggesting that Bruce is spiraling downhill, but anyone that is going through something like that, um, they really can't get help until they want to get help. No matter how many people are, like, putting the mirror in front of them going, dude, look, you're blowing it. Yeah. Um, So, you know, if if that's the situation with Bruce or any other surfer or human out there that's listening to this, um, you know, I would just hope that um, you find your bottom and you find it quick. Yeah, totally.
0: And I love Bruce, and I just want to see her return to form. You know? Like, I want to see... When Bruce is in those events, I'm psyched and I want to see him shred.
1: I would suggest you that those days are over, though. Yeah. I I, I just don't... And that has nothing to do with... uh, That just has to do with, you know what, he's done that. He's been there, he's done that, and, and that's just... You know, he might get an occasional wild card into this event or whatever, but... know I'm pretty sure he's financially secure and there's no real drive there for him other than cool I get to surf pipe with three of my friends why not? I mean you know who wouldn't raise their hand to do that?
0: Yeah absolutely I um the new kind of Bruce in my mind not the new Bruce but seabass. Seabass I love seeing in heats he's also from Kauai um he got a 10 out there back door in a really pivotal heat um, I don't know. Actually, I guess Wilco would be a better analogy than Bruce for Seabass. Where he's happy-go-lucky, he's a fun guy, he likes to party. It seems and lacks a certain amount of focus. But when he brings it, he gets tens. You know. Yeah. So I'd love to see him focus that um, or find that focus more regularly. Well, um,
1: look, you you sent me an email asking me about um, my fantasy team. Yeah. So. For the listeners out there that give a crap, I have Nat Young and Julian Wilson left. They surf against each other in round five on Saturday. I hate when that happens. And I also have, in the quarterfinals, I have John John in Heat 2, and I have Kelly Slater in Heat 3. So I have four guys remaining. I don't know how that fares in my clubhouse. I've got a pretty active clubhouse of about 25 or 30 guys that are all pretty good friends. And we banter back and forth on emails and stuff, and it's a really um, robust Clubhouse because of that, um, but anyway, that's where I'm at. I got those guys. Um, of course, um, if you don't know, I want Kelly Slater to win, and I I really want um, uh, Mick Fanning to lose. And, <laughs> and I'll tell you, everything is setting up. If you look at the forecast, there is a massive. If you haven't heard already, there's right. a massive west swell set to hit Friday evening into Saturday, and um, Mick is surfing against C.J. Hobgood, and In my opinion, this couldn't be a better mix for Kelly Slater. He's got a fellow fellow Floridian in C.J. Hobgood surfing against Mick Fanning. Um, And it's going to be primarily, you know, 85 or 90% of the waves are going to be the left. Now Mick and a lot of the backdoor guys will try to sniff out an occasional backdoor wave and they will come in and they will be phenomenal if they make it. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can't, you know, there is going to be that weird right that produces a 10 instantly. Um, But... Everything's really lining up for, for Kelly here in that uh, CJ and big left pipeline barrels is a really good surfer. I understand he's injured. I don't think that matters. I think that um, it's going to be a great heat. And, I mean, you know, like I said, if we had backdoor, this heat would be over before it started. But because we've got lefts, and by the way, I'm not taking anything away from mixability and big lefts. This guy's a great surfer no matter where you put him. He's proven that time and again. I'm just saying... If you were to pick one guy, you know, I'm thinking CJ and those lefts and big raw pipeline, he's been doing it for 20 years out there and I, I like his chances.
0: Yeah, but what's really interesting is that in the round four heat between Mick, John John, and Nat Young, which I thought was the best heat of the event so far, um, John John was winning or basically won the heat. Um, Mick at the very end, John John had priority. Mick was on the shoulder and he dropped in on John John in the closing seconds of the heat just to prevent John John from getting the wave. Ultimately what that what happened was that Mick moved from the second place position in that heat to the third place position due to that interference call. He did it intentionally. But if he How do you know that? Are you just assuming that? Because there's a lot of people assuming that. I mean, you think he's that They looked he looked at him, he saw John John taken off on the peak and and Mick, there was no score. Right. On that wave for Mick anyways, because right. he wasn't in the barrel. Okay, But um, what happened because of that is that Mick, if he would have placed second in that heat, he would have drawn Julian Wilson in round five, which would have been a more fair matchup, regular foot versus regular foot at pipeline. Because he got relegated to third spot, to third place, he then drew C.J. Hobgood, which I think is a less favorable draw for him at big pipe. So that could have been a deciding moment right there in the world title race. Yeah, that's
1: a very interesting point that you bring up. Yeah, yeah. because he thought he was doing himself a service, but now that we're looking at this massive West swell, he's doing himself a disservice. Yep.
0: Yeah. And I don't think he knew that when no, he did it. No, he didn't. That's he why was it's ma- so interesting. He was making a tactical call in that given heat, yeah. which was prevent John John from bettering his score on this wave. Um by the way, CJ at Backdoor Pipes, that guy's both those hobgoods are insane backside tube riders. Sure. So I think that that factors in, interestingly, I think, to be honest, all of this will be a moot point because John John's going to win the event, in my mind.
1: <laughs> what a hater, man. This so, guy is just... Here's the way I see it. He's a dream slasher is what he is. He's Here,
0: slashing my dream. CJ versus Fanning in Heat 1 of round 5, the winner gets and Nickel.
1: and Nickel, by the way obviously a long shot and if this wasn't Westwell pipe if this was backdoor I'd I'd give him a little bit of a shot but now that we're all we're going left on Saturday
0: he's done but he got the tenant pipe already going left I'm just this is going to be different
1: this is going to be unruly like not unruly but moving around shifty second reefers it's going to be a little different than the clean pristine four to six footers that we
0: saw I think I love seeing Yaden do well in Hawaii the last two. If he years, wins, he requalifies, and it bumps Sippo out of qualification. Sippo's that last guy standing. So yeah, you're right. If Yaden wins, Sippo goes out, and and uh, Yaden's in. But I think to be honest, Yaden is hot and cold. He's been hot for three or four heats in this event, but dude, I remember the U.S. Open heat, the final, where he didn't catch a wave throughout the final. He got a total heat score of a two at the end of it. Um, that's just
1: that tells you why Huntington Beach in the U.S. Open is broke.
0: Well, no, yeah, that's true. That's a true statement. But still, other guys don't get twos out there. So, but I've seen Yaden do it. He lost at Pipe last year with a ten. I think it was in yeah. the quarters. He yeah. got one ten and one yeah. two. Yeah. So I think that's how Yaden is, and I don't think he's going to win the event. I think whether CJ or Mick win uh, round five and they draw Yaden in in the quarters, I think they're going to beat Yaden. Either one of those guys will beat Yaden. Heat 2, we see Nat Young versus Julian Wilson, and they get John John Florence. Obviously, I see John John winning that heat. Heat 3, Seabass versus Kai Otten gets Slater. I see Slater winning that heat in the quarters. And then Heat 4 is Jeremy versus Pupo. The winner gets Joel Parkinson. That's all very questionable. I, I would bet my money on Jeremy yeah, coming I out on too. that exchange. I too. yeah. So, sure. so in, in that prediction scenario, we have... That would predict the semifinals as being Mick versus John, John Kelly versus Jeremy. Which, the world title at that point doesn't matter because no. Mick...
1: Okay, so at Mick, that point...
0: If Mick makes the semis, Mick wins the title. Right. So if Mick can beat CJ, he'd, he'd then draw Yaden. If he then beats Yaden, he wins the world title. Oh, how I hope Mick Fanning loses... He might lose to CJ, but I don't think he'll lose to Yadin. Yeah, that's hard. And then, and then again, if he does win both those guys, he's in the semis. He wins the title. I see him losing to John John. I see Kelly beating Jeremy. I see it being a Kelly and John John Florence final, with John John on top.
1: How cool would it be if that's the final and it's for the world title?
0: Well, it's not for the world title because, because at that point, yeah, Mick already won at that point. All right. But I would see that as being the beginning of John John's reign of Pipe Master's titles, which will continue on indefinitely. And I see Kelly challenging that reign for a couple of years, but I think I think John John's the new king, and he will take his crown on Saturday, and Mick will That's so easy,
1: David. Mick Why? will
0: win the world title. That
1: is so easy. You just you just mailed in the easiest ballot. It's what's
0: gonna happen. <laughs> easy or not, it is I'm putting my Thing out there on the line right. right now, a couple right. forty-eight hours in advance. What do you What I'm, do you think? I'm gonna go a
1: lot. Um, you know, I'm yeah, not I'm gonna, gonna break it down heat by heat, but it's my hope that CJ beats Mick in this next heat, and then um, you know we see
0: Kelly in the final, and Kelly wins it. And um, could you imagine if CJ does beat Mick, and all that pressure's on Kelly's shoulders to take the next three uh, three heats? Whoo! totally doable dude that would be so exciting it will be it's
1: gonna be fun everyone the whole surf world this is gonna this is the biggest pipe masters final day I in hope the you, history of pro surfing there's no doubt in my mind this is it i mean this is this is what it's all about right here um, i hope you cleared your schedule for saturday
0: i did good I'm good saturday i'm
1: clear saturday
0: i got i got um a little theory i don't know if i ever discussed this with you but controversial perhaps but um give me your thoughts I got a conspiracy theory that I think that. <laughs> you yes, ready? Yes. Conspiracy theory. That. This whole show is a conspiracy theory. No, this is the one to top them all, and it's so timely. Yeah. I think John John Florence is the secret love child of Kelly Slater and Alex Florence. <laughs> Dude, that's right. Ram- I think that John I'm pretty John. Pretty sure was- I
1: met John John's father. Do, oh, really? Do, do they not know who his father is?
0: I've never heard it discussed publicly. No, I've
1: met him before. If it, I, oh, they dude. came into Surfer Magazine once, the the father and the mother and the boys, um, when they were really young, like five and six years old. Like they were just like full on little, they were almost, you know, at uh, toddlers. Hmm. But, um, and, this, and it was my assumption at the time that that was the dad.
0: Well, if they didn't explain it, Explicitly, then I'm going to stick with my theory because it's still a Kelly Slater. Conspiracy. Kelly Slater's been going to the North Shore since prior to uh, John John being born. Alex is an attractive woman. They certainly know each other. They're actually very friendly with one another. John John has this <laughs> otherworldly tapped in sense with Pipeline. I think he may have even been conceived on the reef at Pipeline. <laughs> oh my and it's this, this cosmic a- force of nature.
1: This is an incredible conspiracy theory. And John
0: John even often says that Kelly's like an uncle to him. Wow. They travel the world together. Kelly's always looking over his shoulder, making sure John John's okay.
1: <laughs> I don't know what think, to say about that one. Think, I'm just just gonna... think about it. Just think about
0: it. Gonna... I think it'll be revealed in due time. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: I'm going to think about it. I will chew on that one for a bit. I'm, I'm demanding a DNA test, actually.
1: Um, but some reality is the Eddie I. Cow swell is the modeling is in the forecast for a massive swell a week from tomorrow, a week from Friday where we may see an i cow swell. A massive, massive west swell, perhaps too westerly in its orientation to provide enough swell for Waimei Bay because Kauai and those other that other island will might block some of it. But if the modeling is correct, I don't know if you've seen the massive, massive nah. west swell coming off of Japan, but it's nah. intense. So we may see an i cow swell on Friday. But g- you said Friday or a week from Friday? A week from tomorrow. Right. So right, that right. would be what? Tomorrow's the 13th, so the 20th, right around the 19th or 20th of December. Wow. Yeah. That'd be exciting. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah, sweet.
0: Um, what's
1: What's next? How about, some, how about some East Coast news? Yeah, let's hear it. The East Coast, the right coast, my friends on the right coast. Do you know anything about the Bonner Bridge? No, I don't. The Bonner Bridge connects parts of the outer banks of North Carolina to the mainland USA. It's 2.7 miles long. It was built in 1963. Prior to building it, they had a ferry that carried people across and it took upwards of three hours to to pull it off. That Bonner Bridge was closed unexpectedly on December 3rd because of some sand that was washing away from the bridge supports. Um, An an emergency ferry route has been set up. But what that means is that since December 3rd, the people that live on the Outer Banks there have been, um, the surfers specifically, have been able to surf that without anybody coming over. They've had it to themselves. They're in heaven. And um, And they had waves. They've had some small little fun waves. There's some stuff on YouTube and on the Surfer Magazine message board. And um, I just think it's sort of a neat thing, you know, that all of a sudden, randomly on December 3rd, some, uh, you know, survey crew said, hey, you know what, this bridge is unsafe. We've got to close it right now. And it all happened so quickly. And um, the surfers are, like I say, they're in seventh heaven. They've got it all to themselves, the Outer Banks, and uh, certainly a great time for swell there, Uh, cold north winter swells coming in. And uh, unfortunately, the residents and the businesses are suffering horribly because of this. But uh, the surfers are stoked.
0: I'm sure the surfers had some lobbyists down at the bridge or the environmental impact office. Or that guy, the EIR guy is a surfer himself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. lives like, over there in Hatteras. They're like, hey man, I've seen some sand washing away from that bridge. Uh, I just noticed it the last couple of days. You guys should close it. There is a contract that's been signed
1: with the county or whoever, the state or whatever, to um, so get the bridge fixed up and supported. And the contract was set up so that... It has to be done within 90 days so they've got 90 days more or less to have it to themselves except for surfers that are going to do the two and a half three hour ferry ride over right. and back
0: right that's pretty funny good
1: story i thought you know because yeah totally even when like here where i surf when the parking lot gets closed to get repaved or whatever i'm secretly super excited about it because you know an empty parking lot in in 2013 who would have yeah. thunk you know it's kind yeah, of yeah yeah, yeah. Um. What's your rant? Yeah, go I got, ahead and
0: go into your rant. I got a little rant. Um, I didn't write this one out like I did last time, so I'm just going to kind of, you know, freestyle it. But I was watching... It's better freestyle. Okay, good. I was watching 5.5 um, uh, by 19 and a quarter, Redux, you know, the sequel. That's the Lost Surfboards um, yeah. video lost surfboards video from five or six or seven years ago and it has footage of chloe andino from when he was young yeah and i'm watching the footage going holy crap this kid's a prodigy like he honestly if this footage was brand new this would make the cut of any edit right now these are a plus clips and then um a little bit later in the video shows kelly slater when he was a kid probably 12 years old surfing in florida sebastian inlet and stuff and i'm looking at his clips going dude these clips are 30 years old almost and these are a plus clips the way that kelly was surfing back then is still as good as any up-and-coming 12 year old kid nowadays which is a testament to form over um doing air reverses and stuff like that just the lines that he's drawing and the form that he has were just so um beautiful and brilliant you know never go out of style so I got to thinking, and I'm like, modern surf videos are a little bit tired for me. All these new clips coming out, um, I don't like the way that Kaloe is surfing now, isn't more exciting than he was when he was 12, you know? Have I just been over um, exposed to all of it, and now it has less of an effect? Or is the medium itself tired and played out? I think that there's so many web clips that we're inundated now with that nobody reserves quality before they post, other than John John Florence actually does a really good job of that. He doesn't release anything that is less than A+, you know? Um, Whereas other guys are releasing clips every other week from their local break, and half of the clips are them not landing whatever maneuver they're trying. But... I, as a viewer of um, web edits and surf clips, have become so much more discriminating than I used to be in that I won't push play on an edit unless it's... Well, if it's more than three minutes, I almost won't push play at all. But unless it has great reviews and everybody's saying great things, I won't push play on it because it's a waste of my time. It's so... um, Just everything looks the same. There's so much white noise. There's such a void in... A vetting process or an editing process that um, I feel like I've seen it all and nothing stands out any longer. Um, last night I noticed on Stab. You're a bitter old dude. I'm getting there quick, <laughs> dude. Last night I noticed on Stab, um, last name first is the name of the production entity run by Alex and Koa Smith. Yeah. They usually do really good surf edits that are a lot of TNA essentially with surfing, surf porn, but. They posted one last night that was called One Session with John John Florence. I watched it. Yeah. And it was a horrific mashup of um, hip-hop music and John John doing massive flyaways that I really think John John himself will cringe to watch because he probably wasn't involved in the selection process. And they're not A-plus clips. Yeah. And it was only a 30-second edit. Yeah, sure. But still, at the end of it, I was like... Mortified, like, why did I watch that? It was an assault on my senses. And
1: you know, um, I saw a quote by somebody who was it? It was a great quote. Um, oh, it was Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Okay, and it said, Um, mediocrity is a lollipop that if licked once, you'll be sucking for the rest of your life. Hmm. Great quote, great quote, um, you know. Uh, That particular video clip was bad. Yeah. The music was horrible. Right. Again, maybe I'm just jaded old guy. I don't know. But I still like to watch Dane Reynolds, and I like to watch John John Florence. I like really great surfing styles. And, um, you know, I guess to speak to your thoughts about, you know, yes, you probably have seen a a lot, you know, and you're sort of um, jaded, I guess is the word that you used. Um, Yeah. um, But there'll be times when you'll find something... You know, I, I understand what you mean. Though that there's so much of it for us to see that I I rarely watch clips anymore. You know, I don't unless, either. Unless it's like Craig Anderson, unless it's somebody's style that I know I like, I'm not going to just go. Oh, cool! You know, Chris Ward, whatever. You know. But. Yeah.
0: Well, when I was a kid, I saved every um, thirty bucks that I got. I would go towards buying a new surf video, and that was the price of surf videos. They were always twenty nine ninety nine or whatever it was, and I would just like read through the magazines to read the reviews and they'd post little screenshots you know and i was like oh i want to see this one get my 30 bucks together and go buy that one and it was very there was a discriminating process involved you know and and there was a lot more pre-production done on the video maker side because there was costs involved now with everybody having a 7d and everybody having editing software on their computer everybody's just making stuff and posting it at random and Both good and
1: bad, right? That's kind of what you're saying, right? Totally. Both good and bad. But
0: I'm concerned that even the good is buried under all the white noise. Yeah, that's probably true. And so we're going to see John John's edits, of course, and we're going to see kind of the Taylor Steele stuff, which I'm excited for still, but again, it's just like I feel like all the white noise has dumbed down even those good edits, you know? And I guess I'm just lamenting the loss of an art form that I once loved. Just like I'm lamenting Bruce Irons, you know, and, and seeing him get, stumble around on stage is like, oh, man, this is sad. I love when Seinfeld went out on top, you know, and, and uh and you never see that kind of decline of the art form. So that's my rant of the week. All right. Fair enough,
1: brother. That was a good rant. I Sensing that you're approaching middle age.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Undeniably, dude. Oh, man. Um, what about uh, Duke and Kook? I've got a couple. You got yours lined up? I don't see anything on your paper. Yeah, I
1: don't have anything lined up. I, I kind of struggled with it. Yeah. And it's nothing. T- and I don't want to just grab one for the sake of grabbing one. I mean, I could easily go, look, you know, um, John John's my Duke for winning three, four surfer pole awards or whatever. You know, but whatever, th- yeah. this time around, I don't have anything that's, that's gnawing at me.
0: Okay, I got I got two that are related. My duke is Frederico Morai or Morais from Portugal for winning the Triple Crown Rookie of the Year award. Which that in, is so
1: random <laughs> that you even know that. that <laughs> me away.
0: Well, in and of itself that is a feat. He's 21 years old, I think. Yeah, yeah. But really what pushes him into the duke status is that he beat Kelly Slater in round 3 in Portugal, which created the most dramatic end-of-the-year pipeline finish that we've seen in recent years. Oh, that's
1: a good... You have good reasoning here, Dave.
0: Yeah. So I I really got to take my hat off to Frederico for doing that back in whatever month. He's the
1: catalyst for this whole Saturday drama that's about to unfold. He's
0: one of the catalysts. There's probably other factors along the way, but he certainly... Kelly and Mick. Kelly and Mick. (laughs) Um, A lot of other people that won heats along the way that factored in, but Frederico did that, and then he also, on top of it, won the Rookie of the Year, for the Vans Triple Crown, which is no small feat. Now, my kook of the week is the Vans Triple Crown for not publicizing the fact that Frederico won the Rookie of the Year. How did you find out? On Surf Portugal's Instagram. Oh, okay. And then I clicked. I'm like, oh, really? And so I click over to Frederico's, and sure enough, he's celebrating with champagne. But uh, ASP's Instagram didn't post it. I actually... Uh, went through their website the news feed the triple crown vans triple crown of surfing.com they didn't publicize it uh, they didn't write anything about it actually maybe they will at the end of the event um, and the asp i should have checked but i didn't see anything posted through social media from them either so that's my kook of the week is those entities who didn't publicize this young man's tremendous gift to surfing well that's
1: that's a good one and i'm i'm I applaud. I applaud both your Duke and your Kook. What's your must-see moment? Um, I don't have a must-see moment. I apologize. I'm sort of unprepared. I if nothing pops out, you know, later today I'll go. Oh, geez, David, I want you to see this. and I'll send you an email with my must-see moment. But um,
0: for me, it's got to be. I do have a song. Though. I always well, have a great song. Of course. Before the song, for me, the must-see moment is Dane Reynolds' speech. At the Surfer Pole Awards. That's a great one. I think a lot of people probably already saw it. But for those who didn't, it's entertaining and funny. And I like seeing Dane be Dane. But he also made a controversial statement about um, Quicksilver. He said, thank you to Quicksilver for sparing me in the uh, massacre that took place this year. Meaning all the layoffs that they had. And I just think that, I don't know, I wouldn't say that about my employer. And well, the best
1: part about that musty moment is Sal in the background. that catches yeah. Sal off guard, the, the sort of the honesty and the sort of brutal honesty that D- Dane throws out there. Yeah. And you see him just kind of bend over and, and
0: laughing, you know, hysterically. I, I don't think that Dane planned to say that. No, he didn't. It came spontaneously, but then in hindsight, I'm wondering if he recognized the implications of saying something like that about your employer.
1: Uh, you know, I think he'll probably... I think he's probably sorry he said it. I'm sure he'll catch a little bit of grief. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, he sort of holds the cards in that relationship. You know, all they have to do is go, sorry, we're, you know, you're fired, and he would be picked up for more money by somebody else. I don't
0: think he will. I think, again, unless he writes a new chapter to his career, I think he's on the downward uh, side of that hill. And it's hard to continue writing the checks that were committed when he was at his That's peak. That's true. You,
1: you, can, you know, they have a, surfers, uh, pro surfers have a, most of them have a really small window. You know, it's yeah. hard to reinvent. There's some guys that are really good at reinventing themselves. Um, uh, Brad Gerlach is a great example of a guy who reinvented himself a number of times. Um, what's the next chapter? You know, Shane Dorian has done that. Yeah, um, totally.
0: But Machado has done that. But the know? checks that Quick is writing Dane are larger checks than they're writing Kelly. And they're equal to John John's check. And so you got to wonder what's the return on Dane as an investment? Is is he selling as many board shorts as Kelly? Maybe. Will he next year? Maybe not. Is he selling as many as John John? Almost certainly not. So how do we continue to justify this check going out, you know? And and if he's going to shame us in front of everybody at the most publicized speech of the year.
1: Boy. It was bad form, there's no doubt about it. I mean, yeah. and that's just a maturity thing, you know, you you know, and, but in, in many ways, he gained a ton of street cred with those people in that room that, you know, not with me, but, yeah. you know,
0: I mean. Must-see moment, though, for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. Dustin Barkas is worth watching. Yeah. All right, so that brings us to the best song ever. Best song ever. I've got a
1: best song ever. Hopefully I'll be able to play it without a video. I wonder, I wonder if I have it on here somewhere.
0: Um, for my best song ever, I'm sticking with a the theme that I presented last week, which was Christmas music. Oh, dude, you got I, You got so much
1: shit from people in my email about how lame
0: that song was. Those people are uninformed, <laughs> and they need to spend some more time with that song. Because oh, that my. is that was the best song ever until this week, actually. All right, this go week, ahead and All right, this week, uh, also Christmas-themed. A little-known song, but it was written in 1967. Stevie Wonders, What Christmas Means to Me. Play it, Uh, first of all, I love Stevie. I think we've learned that at this point. But um, I get so, so sick and tired of the same old Christmas songs, and that's a brilliant one that isn't played that often. And uh, right. I know you're a Scrooge, so you're not going to jump on board with the Christmas music bandwagon. <laughs> but. Hey, it's pretty good.
1: You've, you know, whatever. It's a good one, but this is my best song ever right here. Well, David, that, quite frankly, could be the best song ever. Hard to argue with the Stones, dude. That is a good one. What's the song? Bitch by the Rolling Stones. Bitch. Best song ever? I think so. Not very
0: Christmassy. No, not very. Scrooge. (laughs) That's the Scrooge answer to my Stevie Wonder Christmas song. That's true. I didn't... I don't have any Christmas themes in my thing. Dude, first of all, you weren't handing out candy on on Halloween, telling the neighborhood kids to beat it. <laughs> now you're not celebrating Christmas. I'm a big fan. I trying just... to kill sharks, trying <laughs> to hate on women surfing.
1: <laughs> wow, you nailed it pretty good. I think, yeah, I think... Giving them enough reason to send in a
0: hate email to me. We're seeing a new Scott Bass emerge in these recent episodes, and I'm not sure I like him.
1: <laughs> all right, well, fair enough. Um, we're going to try to get back with you guys next week after the event, uh, for a wrap up. And, um, you can contact David at hello at surf Yep. That's hello at surfsplenderpodcast.com. And my email, surf talk, San Diego at gmail.com.
0: Thanks for the emails. Thanks for the feedback. Again, definitely engage in this conversation with Scott and I, if you want to, um, Send your thoughts on any of the conversations we had. Definitely do that through email or on social media. I'm at Surf Splendor on Instagram and Twitter. Scott? Um, I'm at Boardroom
1: Surf and at Boardroom Show. Cool. Yeah.
0: All right, so we'll be back in about a week to recap pipe and uh, share our year-end thoughts for 2013 and discuss what's coming next in 2014.
1: Big swells on the way. Adios and hello.
0: Thanks for listening to today's show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope it doesn't get us in too much hot water. And uh, hope you enjoy the rest of Pipe, too. Looking for a super exciting finish on Saturday. So enjoy that and um, connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, at Surf Splendor. Please leave a comment on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com, or feel free to send me an email with any thoughts on today's show or potential future show ideas at hello at Thanks again. We will talk to you next week with an all-new episode of Surf Splendor. This is David Scales saying aloha.